This is the Westwards podcast, a fortnightly production of Westwards, the Western Sydney Literature Organisation. Western Sydney is located on the traditional lands of the Darug, Gunungurra and Tharawal nations, and we acknowledge and offer our respects to all Indigenous people and to their Elders past, present and emerging. Opinions and views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of the Westwards organisation. If you'd like to ask questions, offer feedback or simply learn more about what we do at Westwards, please visit westwards.com.au. All right, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Westwards podcast for today, Saturday, October the 9th, 2021. My name is James Roy. I am your host. I work at Westwards as a program manager. And this is the Westwards News Views and Interviews and Featurette podcast. So what's in store for today? Well, we'll be doing our usual uh, birthday shout out. And today's a pretty interesting one, actually, uh, for a number of reasons. And we'll also be sharing a reading from a one of the writers who has worked with Westwards in the past and a a good friend of a number of people from Westwards, and a few other little features to share with you and some news and some opportunities. So please stay with us. Before we go much further, I'd just like to very quickly mention who and what Westwards is. We're a literature development organisation. We're based in Western Sydney. Our office is currently down near Wedderburn, which is down near Campbelltown. Uh, it's... I'm not sure how long it will be. We, we at some point are going to be moving to new office space. But for now, that's where we're, we're stationed. But, well, of course, we haven't really been stationed anywhere apart from home. We've been doing the same as everybody else. We've been stuck at home doing uh, lockdown things. We've been working from home. And we're fortunate. We feel very fortunate that we live in an era and an age when it is possible to work from home and to, to be connected in ways that weren't really even imaginable 20 or 30 years ago even. So... It's not a bad time to be working from home, I have to say. Uh, it's I live in the Blue Mountains and it's not a bad place to be and to spend my days working from. So Westwards, we run programs, we support writers and artists, we run competitions, we, we run writers groups and support groups and do publications, we offer manuscript assessments, there's so much that we do. And we do it for the 13 LGAs, or the people from the 13 LGAs across Western Sydney. So that's, that sort of starts around Parramatta and heads west from there and, and right over to Mount Victoria in the Blue Mountains and up north into the Hills District and the Hawkesbury and down to, down to Cameltown and Picton and beyond and Camden and everywhere in between. So that's who we are and what we do. If you want any more information about anything that we do, or if there's anything we can do to help you as a creator or as somebody who, who values literature and wants to share literature and would like to know how they can do that with our help, then please get in touch with us by either ringing 1-800-WESTWORDS or going to westwords.com.au and all the information will be there, all the contact information and a whole bunch of other stuff as well. One of the features of this podcast, something that we've actually tried to make a bit of a tradition, is the birthday shout-out. We usually try and find a quote from someone who was either born on this day, occasionally it's somebody who died on this day, or somebody who was 
central to an event that occurred on this day. But today we are going with the everyday regular trope of a birthday. But the person that we're celebrating the birthday of today was not... Well, he was an exceptional person. When we're looking at creative people, this man was an, an extraordinarily creative person. And there's a couple of quotes to, to share from uh, this man, but also a couple of lessons we can take from his life as a creative person. I am, of course, talking about John Lennon, who was born on this day in 1940. So today he would have been 81. Of course, he was murdered at the age of 40 in New York by Mark David Chapman, who was a fan who had actually asked for an autograph a mere six hours before that. And, uh, of course, there was a great deal of mourning for the loss of John Lennon because John Lennon was one of the seminal and uh, originating members, original members of the Beatles. And anyone who's paying attention to the world of music will know that the Beatles, well, they were quite an extraordinary outfit of musicians. They knew their way around a hook. They knew how to, to write a great chord progression. They recorded some amazing songs and they recorded a lot of albums very quickly and are really credited with being one of the greatest rock and roll slash pop bands who of all time. Mainly because of their incredible output, but also because of what they did to, to change the face of music at the time. In recent years, they had that wonderful movie, in fact, I, well, I thought it was wonderful, called Yesterday, which has, of course, the, uh, the premise of the young man who has an accident and suddenly discovers that he knows every Beatles song but, of course, no one else in the world knows any Beatles songs, so he is credited with being the genius behind the Beatles' music. And, yes, they are. many of their songs really are... Well, genius is probably a great word to use. So John Lennon was born on this day in 1940. He died in 1980. And I discovered when I was researching this particular little bit that his son, Sean, uh, son of him of John and and Yoko Ono, was born on the same day. It was born on October the 9th as well. So that's kind of interesting. But what I want to talk about with John Lennon in mind is a couple of quotes that he made and one other thing that was referred to a little bit by someone called Malcolm Gladwell a few years back. Malcolm Gladwell talked about the 10,000 hours theory, which, which goes that if you do anything for 10,000 hours, be it a musical instrument or a, a skill of some kind, or any kind of activity that, that requires practice. If you do that for 10,000 hours, you will attain, well, I don't know if he uses the word genius, but that level of expertise. And the interesting thing about the Beatles is that before Ringo came on board, they went off to Hamburg in Germany. And this was for around two years, a little over two years, between 1960 and 1962. And they went to Hamburg as part of a contract and played in clubs and were playing long, long days. We're talking many, many hours, all day. And they were playing... John Lennon talked about having 20-minute songs with 20 solos. And that was where they really developed their chops, their ability to to work a room and their ability to improvise and, and hone their skills, their performance skills and their, and their playing skills. And that's something that I think we can all aspire to. Perhaps not going and living in Hamburg for two years, although there's probably worse places to live than Hamburg. But that drive to just keep at something and to, and to work at it. And when, when they came back to America, sorry, came back to the UK after they'd been doing Hamburg, people went, 
well, you guys are amazing. You've you've really turned into incredible musicians. And their response was, well, we'd want to. We've been basically doing up to 12 hours a day of, of playing for the last two years. We'd want to be pretty good now. And I suppose if you put that kind of level of uh, effort in and you haven't improved, maybe you need to find something else to do. But to the quotes from John Lennon, I've got a couple to share with you. The first one, he said, time you enjoy wasting is not wasted. Time you enjoy wasting is not wasted. And that's probably a pretty good advice. Often, oftentimes as artists, I think we we spend time going, oh, is this really the, the right way to spend my time? I'm reading this thing. I'm researching this other thing. I'm maybe spending having some ha what I like to call hammock time. And is that uh, is that productive time? Well, did you enjoy wasting that time? And was it actually lending itself to something that uh, would become productive? Then it wasn't wasted. And if sitting on the beach for a couple of days, when we were allowed to go back to the beach, of course, uh, does that feel like wasted time? Did you enjoy it? Well, then it wasn't wasted. So I think that's quite good advice. Perhaps uh, it appeals to the headness amongst us, but time you enjoy wasting may not be wasted at all. Maybe it's exactly what your brain needs as a creative person to really find its way into an idea. Sometimes you need that, that level of, of stillness in your mind to really let ideas bubble through and, 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 and form and gestate and become something a bit more than they started out as. But this quote from John Lennon I really love. He said, My role in society, or any artist or poet's role, is to try and express what we all feel. Not to tell people how to feel, not as a preacher, not as a leader, but as a reflection of us all. And I think I agree. I think I agree. Uh, any artist or poet's role is to express what we all feel. Of course, there is a, a place as a writer or as an artist to express what you yourself feel, and maybe that's a unique thing. Uh, Vincent Van Gogh, his uh, his paintings, he they were driven by a very some private torment and some some internalized fear and grief and, and mental illness. And so you could argue that perhaps his his work was really not telling the world what, what we all feel. But then at the same time, the fact that we can look at one of his paintings and find ourselves in there and see something in there that speaks to us, I think is, is an indication that maybe the artist is expressing something that we all feel. Maybe not explicitly. Maybe it's something that we have to dig into a little bit and sit with. But I do think that John Lennon might have a point here that a role of an artist is to express what we all feel because that's why we go to art, I think. We go to art because we want to understand our place in the world and we want to perhaps see that what we feel about a particular situation or a, or a particular way of thinking, that it's actually okay to think that. So thank you to John Lennon. Um, as I was researching this, I was kind of reminded of another one of my favourite quotes which was actually written by Ricky Gervais when he wrote The Office and it's the character Tim uh, who Tim what's his last name? Canterbury Tim Canterbury who talks about the fact that he is now working at a paper merchant uh, far beyond the time that he thought he would be working there and his quote was I think it was John Lennon who said life is what happens when you're making other plans and that's how I feel Although he also said, I'm the walrus, I'm the Eggman, so I don't know what to believe. <laughs> it's cute. But thank you to John Lennon for all that he gave us. I can't imagine what he would have achieved had he lived longer. It's a little bit like Mozart, I suppose, dying at such a young age and with such a body of work under his belt. And you think, what, what would have been produced had he lived longer than that?
But we have what we have, and thank you to John Lennon for all that he provided, and happy birthday, happy 81st birthday to him today. Jack Heath is a friend of Westwards. He's been around the the children's and young adult and adult writing traps for oh, a number of years now, well over a decade, I would say. And he has recently released a book for middle grade readers. It's published by Scholastic Books Australia, and it's called Kid President Totally Rules. Basically, the premise is that young Jackson gets to be the president after some kind of voting misadventure, I can only assume. And as part of our uh, reading series, Jack agreed to read some of this book for us. And just keep in mind that this is also available as a video on our YouTube channel, Westwards Official, and also on our clubhouse, the uh, children's site, the Westwards Clubhouse. So here's Jack Heath reading from his book, Kid President Totally Rules. Jackson woke up to hear an alarm jingling near his bed. He snorted, sat upright, and started prodding the alarm to try to switch it off. Ahem, the alarm said, and Jackson realised that it was actually Freipanberg ringing a little bell with white-gloved hands. Oh, sorry, Jackson rubbed his eyes. Must have slept in. No worries, bro. Thought I'd better wake you up. We're due at the opening of the skate park in a few hours. Great, thanks. You also missed this morning's papers, Mr. President. I uh, left them on your desk, Freipanberg pointed. On the other side of the room, a desk sagged under the weight of what looked like hundreds of newspapers. Should I read them to you while you get dressed? Yikes, no, Jackson said. That'll be all, thanks. Freipanberg disappeared. Jackson realised he hadn't actually asked how Freipanberg was doing or even said hello. Maybe he was getting used to this president thing, and not in a good way. He promised himself that he'd ask as soon as he saw Freipanberg again. He was so tired. Reading the dossier, Tiara had explained on page one that that was the word he should use, had taken all of yesterday afternoon and most of last night, and he still hadn't finished it. Tiara might be annoying, but she was very thorough. She had listed hundreds of problems that Jackson should try to fix while he was president. It was going to be a big day. He looked at the mountain of newspapers with amazement and suspicion. Jackson hadn't even known that newspapers still existed, let alone so many. They were all unwrapped and neatly folded, ready to read. When Jackson picked one up, it still felt warm from the printing press, or maybe Freipanberg had microwaved it for him. The front headline was, Bonkers President Turns House Into Zoo. Jackson picked up a different paper. New President Crazy, Say Experts. Most of the papers had headlines like this. The only one which was different had a picture of Jackson and Morris on the balcony under the headline, Morris Teaches Kid About Governing. Unless governing meant wearing a nightcap with a little pom-pom, Jackson wasn't sure that was accurate. He scooped up all the newspapers and carried them into the corridor, where he spread them across the floor in case any of the animals he'd adopted needed to go to the toilet, though he noticed he was mostly too late. Locking the gate after the horse has taken a dump, as Dad would say. He'd hardly seen his parents lately. Once they discovered that they had access to a personal chef and that he was a former junior master cook contestant, they were spending all their time in the dining room. Whenever he wandered past, he could hear chewing and slurping sounds from inside. Jackson walked purposefully up to his office. The first problem on Tiara's list was pollution, and Jackson was determined to fix it before the opening of the skate park at two o'clock. How complicated could it possibly be? Quite complicated, actually, said the Labour Secretary. Certainly more than a child could comprehend. No offence, he added quickly. Jackson was annoyed, but he obeyed the rules and didn't show any offence. 
Apparently we're dumping a lot of poison into the ocean, he said instead. How do I make that stop? The Labor Secretary had pimples and braces, but his bald spot gave him away as someone who was at least 30, or maybe he shaved it to look older. His name was Jimbo Nuggins. We can't just stop dumping poison into the ocean, Nuggins said. Where else are we going to put it? In people's food? An outrageous suggestion. He nodded confidently, like he'd just won the argument. I'll see myself out, Mr. President. Just a sec, Jackson said. Where does the poison come from in the first place? The poison factory, obviously. What's it for? For dumping into the ocean. But why? Well, how else do you want to get rid of it? Nuggins rolled his eyes, exhausted by the questions. By putting it in people's food? Jackson carefully slid his plate of waffles across the table, away from Nuggins. Stop suggesting that. Can't we just stop making the poison? Stop making it? Nuggins looked horrified. What about Steve? Who's Steve? He works in the poison factory. He'll lose his job. Jackson stared. I don't think it's smart to keep poisoning the ocean just so your friend gets to keep his job. He's not my friend, Nuggins said. He's yours. He donated quite a lot of money to your campaign, or to the real Jackson Morris's campaign. Can he do a different job? Jackson asked. Like what? I don't know. Jackson snapped his fingers. Aha, he can build animal shelters. Well, potentially, but... You're the Labour Secretary, Jackson said. Find him a new job along with all the other people who work in the poison factory. It's just Steve, Nuggins said. The other workers all got replaced by robots. Jackson wondered how long a factory full of robots had been making poison for no reason and then decided he didn't want to know. How much will it cost to close the poison factory, he asked. Well, nothing, Nuggins said. We've been paying to keep it open. We have to keep replacing the robots when they break down. We've been... Jackson sighed. Just close it. How much will it cost to get all the poison out of the ocean? Get it all out? And put it where? In people's food? Jackson rubbed his temples. No offence, but I'm getting a bit sick of politicians. Is there anyone else in the building who knows anything about the ocean? So that was Jack Heath reading from his book, Kid President Totally Rules, published by Scholastic Australia. And uh, as I say, you can track down that video to show anyone in your circle of influence who might find a uh, middle grade book about a kid who becomes president of everything. Uh, fascinating and enticing in our clubhouse or on our Westwards official YouTube channel. Speaking of the clubhouse, we have a really exciting guest there this month. We have Tanya McCartney. Tanya McCartney is a force of nature. She is from the ACT. She's an illustrator, a writer, a publisher, an editor. She even has her own Etsy store. She really is quite something and she's very enthusiastic. And she's in our Westwards Clubhouse guest blog this month. So you can go to westwords.com.au slash clubhouse, which is the kids site where you can find a whole bunch of videos and readings and holiday workshops and all sorts of things, but also the guest blog. And Tanya is on there every day, pretty much, putting some really amazing stuff up there. And so please get along and have a look, have a listen, and enjoy the uh, enthusiasm that is Tanya McCartney. Any young person who is interested in books or reading or stories or anything of that ilk will find what Tanya has to offer really quite fascinating and amazing and completely engaging. So please get along to that. So there's a couple of other things that I'd like to share with you before we wrap up. First of all, there is an online conference coming up. 
Westwards Creating Stories of a Contemporary Australia, hosted by the Create Centre at the University of Sydney, and our very own Michael Campbell, who's our Executive Director, and Libby Gleeson AM, who's the Chair of Westwards, will be discussing Australia's changing cultural landscape and the role that Westwards is playing in that. So that's a free event to be held on Wednesday, the 13th of October at 11am. The link is on our website. So if you go there and look for the link, you can click on that and register your interest. It's been a pretty busy week last week for the uh, end of a number of writing competitions. The, the Blacktown Merrill Creative Writing Competition has just come to an end, or at least the entries window has closed, as has that of the Fisher's Ghost Creative Writing Competition in Campbelltown, which is in its first year. So both those competitions have now closed and they've gone to judging. And so we'll have announcements of those results fairly soon in the next couple of months, or certainly next month or so. So the Blake Poetry Prize is still open for another month, and that's plenty of time to get started and finish that piece of poetry about uh, the spiritual life and what that might entail. You don't have to be of any particular faith. In fact, you don't have to be of a faith at all to write about uh, these uh, these matters, but please get on there. It's a, it, there's some real money involved. There's $5,000 prize for this particular one, and some very, very prominent poets have won this in the past but it's blind tested so you get in there and you never know your poem, your poem might be the one that breaks through if you have young people in your life who love creative writing we have our Westwards after school creative writing classes they are kicking off this coming Monday and also and on the 13th so one of those is primary the other is secondary so there's still time to enroll and join the creative fund Go to the Westwards website once again. Now, I also want to talk about the book about Booktober. It is Booktober. We talked about this one last year and again this year. Booktober is the month of October put aside for reading books. It's a little bit like those old, uh, what do you call them, the old readathons that we used to have in primary school where you'd sponsor people to, to but people would sponsor you on, based on the number of books you're going to read. And you also get a discount code from our friends at Booktopia if you register as a bookworm. So not only do you get to read books and get money for a very worthy cause, which in this instance is the uh, to put books and programs directly in the hands of young people from Western Sydney to, to build literacy and a lifelong love of books. But you also get that discount code so you can buy all those books with a, a fairly generous discount. So you can go to booktober.org.au and check it out, or, once again, go to our website. Now, if you identify as part of the LGBTQIA plus community and you have a love of poetry, there's been a little bit of a delay on the upcoming uh, Poetry Masterclass with Lou Garcia Dolnick, which means it's been put back, which means there is still time to register. So the new date now is Wednesday the 27th of October at 6.30pm. And while it is being held as part of our LGBTQIA plus writers group, you don't need to be a member of that group to participate. So you can email chris at westwords.com.au to register your interest for that. It's a free masterclass. It's online. But uh, Lou is a terrific, a terrific poet. She was actually a shortlisted poet for the Black Poetry Prize that we were just talking about. So we've talked about there's one more thing that I'd like to share with you from right down the very bottom of our newsletter, and that is the Blue Noses. Blue Noses are from Martin Chatterton, a good friend of Westwards, 
powerhouse of creativity, this guy. He's a writer for adults and kids. He's an illustrator, filmmaker, an animator, a scholar, great guy. He also co-writes the middle, middle school books with James Patterson, of all people. And one of his recent projects is Blue Noses, which is an animated YouTube series with poems written by a well-known UK poet and performer, Paul Cookson, and animated by Martin himself. So you can go to the clubhouse to find a link to this, or you can just go to worldofbluenoses.com and you can see all those wonderful little animated videos. But that's it from us for this particular podcast. I'll be back in a week with a mini masterclass. But until then, uh, have a great week. Stay safe. Follow the rules in your part of the world. Um, get out there on Freedom Day, but do it safely. And if you're going to be creating, uh, do it with courage and purpose. And... Uh, do happy creating. Thanks. Talk to you soon.